Hey guys, this is the very first episode of And The Writer Is. I'm Ross Golan and I'm going to be your host. I've written with hundreds of writers and artists over the years and my favorite part of each session is the first hour when we catch up about life and the industry, politics, composition, whatever. If you ask me, songwriters are some of the most worldly and intelligent people I've ever come across. So this is a journey of learning why people write songs, how people write songs, and most importantly, who the people are who write the songs. I'm co-producing this with my friend Joe London, who's nominated for a Grammy this year. He records every interview and makes sure we sound like angels. So if you like what you hear, please rate us on iTunes or whatever your preferred podcast listening site is. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. We recorded our first interview a few months ago with Benny Blanco. He's one of my good friends. In fact, we wrote Same Old Love together, and he co-publishes Compass, which also went number one for me and country. He's recently been nominated for Producer of the Year because he worked on about 20 projects that I think we all wish we worked on. Even this past week, he released a song with Ed Sheeran, but of course that's not the only thing that happened to him last week. In fact, he had the number one song at both Hot AC and Top 40 Radio with Don't Wanna Know for Maroon 5. Right before that, he had Cold Water, which was also number one at Top 40 because that's just what he does. He makes hit records. So let me set the stage for you for how this interview happened. The first time I met Benny was going to his place in New York, and I always joke with him that he lives in L.A. now, but he says that he just visits here even if he's here for more than half the year. So he bought a house recently in Hollywood, and we went to his new place. There are all kinds of people walking in and out of his place. He's got artists, he's got writers, he's got producers, he's got just friends all over the place and they're all very funny and they're all loud and fun and you'll hear in the background of this I'm sure a few people talking but that's the vibe with Benny it's all about the community so when he said why don't you come over to my place we felt like that was a smarter move than having him come to a studio because if you want to be around Benny you have to be in his domain that makes Benny great anyway we go to his house and he's got some of the coolest furniture coolest rugs, coolest artwork. And when I mean cool, I mean classy. I mean, they say that there's that expression of money can't buy class, but there's so much class in that guy. One of the stories that I like to tell, and I don't know if I said it in this interview or not, but when I used to go to his place in New York, I noticed he had no platinum records on the wall except for one. He had one that was given to him by a children's hospital. And that always made me feel like that explained Benny most. I mean, here's a guy who's had millions of records, countless hits, and all he has is a record from a children's hospital. So without further ado, here's the very first episode of And the Writer Is. Welcome to And the Writer Is. I'm your host, Ross Golan. Today's writer-producer is one of my favorite humans. 
He's been BMI Songwriter of the Year a few times, sold over 100 million songs, runs a record label, has been recognized by the Songwriter Hall of Fame, and he just turned 28. Straight from Virginia by way of New York, this writer has broken artists like Katy Perry and Kesha and reinvigorated bands like Maroon 5. I have mad love for this adorable little man. And the writer is everyone's favorite matzo ball, Benny Blanco. Hola. Hola. What's up, guys? So, um, I usually start by saying we're, uh, asking, or like looking up how I met somebody. Okay. And, uh, it turns out I sent you a song years before we actually met. Like, there must have been some time where you gave me your email. Um, and I actually think I, I think it was at some Grammy event, and I, I I'm you gave me like a friends and family kind of thing, mm-hmm. and you had really long hair. Okay. And you gave me you gave me a, your email, and I sent you a pretty, like now when I listen to it, I listen to it because I was like maybe this is good, and I can show you and be like, <laughs> like show you in front of humans, and then I was like, no, this isn't very good. People must send you records constantly, right? I'd I'd say at least ten to fifteen records a day, maybe more. Do you listen to them? I try to listen to every song that someone sends me. Actually, really? I I do. I listen. It might not be like I'm pretty bad with email, so it might be like sure. two weeks later. But I listen to everything everyone does. Or or I'm like. Uh, or, like, if they don't send me a song, I'm like, oh, well, send me a song. Or if I meet someone out and sure. they're like, how can I get my music? I listen to every single thing. Really? Yeah, because you never know, man. What if it's like, what if this person is the next fucking me or you, you know? I guess I worry that I'm going to end up being, that that's, like, the story of how you get sued. And so, like, I tend to just be like, nah, I don't even click on anything. I'm just like, yo, I can't Do you really not? It. it depends where it comes from. I mean, if you sent me something, I'd listen to it. Why? I and if it's suck. like... Yeah, well, not because it's good, but oh, okay. because, like... So you want to yeah. laugh a little. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, no, but it's it's one of those things where if a friend of a friend sends it, that's one thing. But if it's, like, if it's a random person who gets my email and sends it, I can't do it. I listen to every single one. Wow. Have you ever found anybody where you're like, oh, my God? No, horrible. No. <laughs> has, um, anyone, has anyone ever sent you something where you're like, oh, this is it? This uh, is the song. This this guy, I need to, I need to f- work f- with this f- person. A few times it's happened. Um like that uh but it didn't material it it, it wasn't um no no it didn't turn into anything but amar was kind of like that yeah but didn't you guys grow up we yeah yeah we knew each other we knew each other but we didn't hang out that much david was the one who i hung out with david silverstein being david amar malik yeah yeah right so david and I met a Jewish sleepaway camp when right. we were like ten, right. and we were like break dance. And then like we went to like bar mitzvahs together. And then David and I lost communication from probably fourteen to nineteen or something. Right. And I'm and then I go down to visit my friends. Actually, sorry. Okay, so first I I met I met him. Again, because my best friend Lev, this guy Lev, they were going yeah. to school together, sure. and 
And he was like, hey, I have this roommate, man. He's really cool. His name's David. Like, you should meet him when you come down. And I'm like, cool. I'm like, uh, he's like, he does music and stuff. We come down. I see David. I'm like, holy shit. It's like the the random, like, the synchronicity between that. Like, he's just like. Two friends from childhood. Then we're meeting like that. And then I started listening to Amar's stuff again. And I would give him advice and shit. And then. um, Yeah, but at that point. Okay, so. But he was sending me, they were sending me songs all the time, and I wasn't, like, with them. But how does this happen? You're, like, 16 years old or whatever when you start, you're in Virginia and then you end up in in New York or you end up producing Spank Rock or how does this happen? How do you go from being a Jewish kid from the suburbs who's making music at home to like oh yeah all of a sudden i mean are you sending out your songs first before right. i mean how does Should how we, do people hear you all right let's do the short let's do the short thing that yeah. oh this is also why because i wonder like they're sending you records like you know better this is at this the, point this is which the, is crazy because you kind of did this <laughs> yeah. is the main reason why i listen to all those records because that's how i was discovered right i was discovered completely randomly right. so what happened was uh you know, all we all did the same exact thing when we were younger. We were in bands, fucking DJing, thespians, like right. we were in, like <laughs> right. we were fucking losers. Um, no, but uh, I was doing all the normal things that kids do. You know, if you're like artistic, and I was uh, was making music, making songs. Like I used to, I used to like I I didn't have like my parents didn't buy me like equipment, so like. We had like two boom boxes and I would like record everything into one, then record it all into that right. one, then record it back. Yeah. So I like made like my Old own school. eight track sure. and everything was horribly out of time and my beats sucked and my songs were awful. Right. So then I was like, you know what? I'm going to be like Eminem. Like sure. I was like, I'm going to be Eminem. It was like 99. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. I was already rapping at the, that point. Um, long story short, I get my brother hooks me up with this guy named Sam who starts recording all my early demos, taught me how to make music, taught me how to produce, taught me pro tools. Like he was like, he was like the guy who like really got my foot. So did you buy, or I didn't have anything. Right. I was just using, I would go, I would would travel to him. He was in Jersey and I was in Virginia. And then would you drive or take a train or what? Yeah, yeah. However, I could. Yeah. However, like I used to, there was like a China bus like that you could uh-huh. go, you could take, and so I would do whatever I could. I was like thirteen at this point, and then like my parents stopped going with me. Like I would just get to go on my own at this 13? point. Yeah, thirteen. Yeah, thirteen, fourteen, and then crazy. Wait, but you didn't, and you didn't play any instruments. You're just like mom and dad. I'm gonna be a rapper. I'm I was a M&M. rapper, and I made all the beats. Right. And at this point, at this point, I was really into like playing. I used to be actually be okay at guitar. I just fucking lost it. Like, yeah. I, I now I'm like now I'm not so great at anything. But um, it seems like almost everybody in the industry is either educated and they went through the process of going through, you know, high school, college, touring, did the whole thing that way, played you know virtuosic instruments. Or they're these like, or they're you know prodigies where they they're thirteen years old and they're like, yeah, I'm gonna rap or you know like what Julia does or you know these people who can somehow write hit songs when they're kind of born. I mean, how do you go from thirteen years old? You're now you're you're going and rapping. Were the songs good? Did you know they were good or did you I, feel like you had to learn? I was 
Was Sam teaching you everything? I started beatboxing first, like okay. before anything, because I thought that's how you had to make your beats. Sure. I thought like everyone, I was yeah. like, why can't, don't, I was like, why right. doesn't my mouth sound like the right. things on the radio? Sure. I didn't understand it. Like, and I thought like right. whenever there was like scratching records uh-huh. that it would like, there's a song, The World Is Yours by Nas. And like, there's like scratch solos in it. And I'm like, damn, they're so good at doing it with their mouth. I thought they did it. I, I didn't even put two and two together that like you, you like played an instrument on a, <laughs> On a uh, uh, on a song, like right. I thought you did it all with your mouth. So then, so I was working. I was I was I was just trying to figure out how to get it all done, and I got the attention of this guy named Jonathan Schechter, who started Source Magazine, and he was the first person to put out Eminem. He was I- instrumental in Fifty right. Cent's career, and and he had his own label on Columbia, and he had. Uh, he he also had this thing called hip hop honeys, and what that was was like a soft core porn type of thing. So what it, it was like? So listen, it, this it, is it, a website or it, is it it's a, a magazine or it's, it's a, movie? a it's a it's a DVD series. It was like the biggest selling soft core DVD of all time. And what it was was it it was like all the video girls sure. from like all the videos. Yeah dancing like with their tops yeah. off to like rap beats yeah and i was like i was like yo man and he was like he was trying to sign me to columbia and i was like eh. and then like but you're you're 15 or 16 i'm at this point, right? 14 13 14. or 14 so then, you're still like kind of turned on and kind of not sure what to do with like <laughs> yeah. rap girls exactly, right? exactly. I'm yeah, like, right. like i remember right. like he took me to meet um like the first time i like went to go hang out with him it was him and uh tara patrick i don't know if you remember who that uh, is but she was like a really famous like porn star back in the day amazing. and i was like and it was like the first time and i'm like hi like and i'm like i'm like i'm like <laughs> actually i'm yeah. not like hi i'm like hi how yeah, are right. you? Like, <laughs> <laughs> um so i kind of sound exactly like how I do now. Sure, right, so, right, right. Um, right. So I, uh, you know, uh, long story short, we um, he started helping develop me, and then somewhere along the line, I'd like the, well, like Jive Record, a bunch of labels were into it. Like they, all, I remember they flew down to see me perform at my homecoming when I was like fourteen or something. Oh, that's cool. They all flew in from right. New York to see me. And then, at this point, were you cool in high school? Because, like, you know, you're saying that you, I, you started by kind of saying how we were all dorks, which I know I was. <laughs> but, like, to go from that to then no. being a rapper that, you know, has a possible record deal, I can imagine that there's, like, a line around the block in high school to be like, oh, I want to be friends with that guy. I mean, it was like this. I was cool because of my brother. My brother was, like, the coolest kid yeah. in school. He was So everyone was like, oh, you're Jeremy's little brother. And he was, like, four or five years older yeah. than me, so he was, like, always, like, a school above me. Sure. So it was like, oh, you're Jeremy. So I was, like, automatically cool, like, right. like because of him. Like, because of me, probably no chance. Right. And then, like, I mean, I was... I mean, I'm pretty sure you can be, know who I was. I was friends with all all the crowds. You know, right. I was, like, friends with all the hip-hop kids. You know, I went to a very diverse school. Right. So I was, like, friends with all the hip-hop kids. I was friends with all the white kids. I was friends with all the Spanish kids. Like, I was in every group. And I was, like, the class clown. You know, I was, right. like, the teacher would be, like, Ben, like, shut up. Like, right. you know, I was, like, the kid. Like, I was getting kicked out of class yeah. for, like, talking too much and, like, making beats on the And then these the guys, table. and then, then all of a sudden, like, porn star <laughs> people are coming to your homecoming to see No, no, they didn't come to my oh, okay. homecoming. Um, old <laughs> like, dudes I was like, I've seen dudes, this movie before. Old, old like. dudes came to my homecoming. Right, right, right. Um, uh, 
with probably saggy testicles. Yeah, like, right. So, Old dudes with saggy yeah, testicles. Yeah, so I'm in. Uh, yeah. Um, so, <laughs> no, but uh, no, what happened was they all came and stuff. Uh, and then I wound up signing like this like production deal with, I don't know if you know who Gamble and Huff is. Yeah, of course. They like wrote like all yeah. those old songs back in the day. And they really? kind of, them and their kids like kind of like helped mentor me along the way. And then. How did they hear you? My brother met one of them at a, My brother is like got me yeah. everything at the beginning. He met one of them at like a. Why didn't he club. manage you? He wasn't thinking about that. He didn't yeah. know what that was. I mean, he was like, essentially your manager. Yeah, yeah well, like, like he didn't know what that yeah. was. And I had like we know a, managers who do a whole lot less than that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had like a weird manager thing. Like I, I don't know, like some like guy at I the met. time you did. Yeah, yeah, when I was like thirteen, fourteen. I forget. I forget who it was. Um, I think his name was like Jay or some some guy I met online was like right. my manager. Right. And then this is like MySpace era, probably. This is before MySpace. Before MySpace. So so your MySpace plays a big role in this. Right, right, right. So okay. So you know, let's let's get forward. So I I tell my friend, I'm probably like 14, 15 now, and I'm like, I'm like, man, I'm like, let me make one of those beats for the hip hop honeys things. I wanna make I yeah. wanna make some money for it. Like I wanna like I wanna I want my name out there and I want cause I didn't have any money yeah. and I wanted to get my own setup. Right. I didn't have any money to get my own setup. I had like whack keyboards and I had like li- the little Casios that like I wound up using on every record right. later in my life like all the cash stuff right. like but i didn't know what any of i didn't know that was going to come into play sure. like because like back in the day like little weird casio sounds weren't really cool right like and i was that was much later that those became cool again. exactly right exactly so i uh I, I was just trying to get in and i made i made a beat and he was like whoa this isn't bad he was like you know what he's like I'm going to give you 200 bucks for this. And I was like, whoa. I was like, my life is made. I'm like, dude, I can like buy pot and as much pizza as I want. Like that was like 200 bucks for a 14 year old is. I was like, I was like, holy shit. That's serious money. So then I started making beats locally for like everyone. Like, cause my name got out that I did like that. And I started making beats for everyone locally. So I was getting like, you know, like, like 200 bucks here, 300 bucks there. So I started like making some, making some money. So like I got, I got a little bit better system and but like a lot of stupid shit happened like i got like my mom's house got robbed twice because i was just i just wasn't in with like right. the right kids i was like it was like yeah. i was just selling beats to anyone it was like right. very brown paper bag money type of thing then fast forward i'm like i'm like 16 or 17 yeah and myspace is a thing yeah and i'm writing everyone on myspace like like i'm and somehow i got a lot of friends on myspace like like somehow i got like way more like the normal person had like i don't know like how many friends did you have i i don't remember like like maybe a thousand or something like sure like and like that was like a big deal you were like man i got like a thousand I had like a, a a lot more than that. Like I had like it, yeah, you're just clicking on everybody, mm, just trying to email everybody. Yeah. Or not, not email. What did what was it called? It wasn't friending. Was it friending on people on my message? It was just like a message, right? I can't remember. I remember when labels were always say to like to bands. I'm sure they said it, you know, to everybody. It was just like you know what you should do is you should make more friends on MySpace, friend yeah. people on MySpace. You're like what? Yeah. Spend oh, yeah, spend yeah. days trying to friend people so you can develop your profile. You're like, 
what? Is that what they told you? Yeah, so they told. That's what they tell people now. They're like, "Go put up covers on YouTube. Don't yeah, yeah, yeah. do that. Yeah, <laughs> don't do yeah. that." So, so I started like, and I would like hit people, and I would get like meetings at labels, and yeah. I would like, and I would I would meet like some guy sure. who like I didn't know at this point yeah. who was like a guy getting like the coffee. And he's yeah. like, I'll meet but it was you. so cool because yeah. you're meeting like, like oh a guy God, from Columbia Records. Yeah. And, yeah, and I was like, oh my God, this is insane! Like. And like a guy who had no power to do anything. Right, like of no one probably even knew his name. Yeah. Like, and right. I was just like, oh my God. And you're like, all nervous so, and excited. Yeah, I was so it. nervous. <laughs> like probably just as nervous yeah. as he was. Yeah. Like, and, yeah. and I started doing stuff like that. And I would reach out to tons of producers, like guys that I'm friends with now, like like Emil Haney, like tons. Oh, yeah. of, and I was reaching out to everyone in the music business. Like I was reaching out to, to anyone you knew, anyone right. you knew. And then I started getting meetings with people and- I was meeting with like I was meet like one of my first meetings. I met with Fenster when I was right. like 17, 16. Crazy. And yeah. I I started doing and like a lot of people would be like, "Oh yeah, meet up with me." And then they'd be like, "Oh, like I have to cancel." And I was like, "Fuck." Like I didn't yeah. want to make them. I wanted to act like I was like, "Oh yeah, I have a bunch of meetings." Yeah, like, oh, sure. it's all good. Don't worry about. It. Sure. And I literally Fake drove it up it. just for that. <laughs> yeah, like, and right. I was like and I used to like sleep in the McDonald's and stuff because you could like you could um where which mcdonald's there was there was a bunch of them there was yeah. uh anyone that was open like the one on uh the one in Times square like stays yeah. open like yeah. forever and it's um and it's like multiple levels so like you can like switch around and stuff so i would just like wait until the next morning like i would have my meeting at like 8 a.m and how old are you at this point probably 17 16 so i'm going you, with my like, friends would you you'd go with your friends and like you'd who also wanted to try to miss school it. or would you be trying to meet people on weekends <laughs> i would what i would do is did you actually ditch what i, I did ditch a lot but did what, you graduate i did i uh. did i did i graduated high school uh. but i would i would ditch a lot and I would, or I would like miss my last class and I would meet someone in New York for like their last meeting of the day, right. like seven. Yeah. But sometimes they'd be like, oh, can we just reschedule to like Saturday morning? And then I'd be fucked. Yeah, I'd be like, right. fuck, where am I going to sleep? Right. It's like before I knew people like that in New York. And if I did, like, I didn't want to like, like, cause they were like people I was like trying to work with. So sure. I didn't want to be like, hey, can I sleep on your couch yeah. with three of my friends who are waiting in the car? Like, yeah, exactly. Like, and we smell like. So, Do you think all that development of of going up there and sleeping there random nights and being with friends up there that that's part of your love of New York is like that's where you had your struggle as yeah, a kid? Yeah, and both my parents are from there, and I always that was like the place where I was going, like because it's not like I was going. to You were going to go there anyway, no yeah, matter what. Yeah, it's yeah. not like I was going to L.A. Like I've right. been to L.A. and I lived in we we lived in L.A. for like a year and a half when I was a kid, uh-huh. but like. I wasn't New York was the closest place I could go sure. where music was happening. I already had the DC thing. Right. So like I already had I was already working with all the biggest guys in DC at the point, but they weren't like big. Like DC's not like a huge or at that time wasn't a huge music scene. Like right. there there was, but no one was making it. Right. Like, like Wale hadn't made it yet. Like none Wale was like just getting on the, like he was like just starting to like get on like they had this thing. It was like hot or not. Like, and it was like you would be like the local artist, and you'd decide if they were if they had a hot song or not. And he had this song called like Nike Boots, and it was like blowing up like sure. locally. And that was like, this was like thirteen years ago, something like that. This is before you got any label or anything. Crazy. So, so then I, uh, so then at this point I go and and I'm and I'm emailing everyone, and I email this guy named Disco D. Yeah. Who's like I was listening to the Fifty Cent album so much, like, and I was like both albums, um, 
because there had only been two albums sure. out at that point. And I was like, this was when he was like supreme. And I was like, holy shit. I was like, this is so good. Because I was I was in that scene because like all those guys, I, I forgot. Like at this point I knew, I knew like, um, I knew like uh, uh, like Theo Saddlemyer, Paul Rosenberg. Like I knew yeah. these guys because of uh, Jonathan Schechter. Like he he was very in that scene because he worked with all those guys. So, like, Do you still keep in touch with Jonathan? Yeah, talk to him all the time. And Paul, all those guys. They must all think this is crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like like because they just knew you from being <laughs> this little kid who would come up to. Oh yeah, New York like but shit, everyone, Fenster, all these guys. Yeah, right. I knew all these guys because you you got I got my first record deal when I was right before I was eighteen. Yeah. So it's like so like so what happened? happened was so now we're at like i'm like i'm like 16 17 I'm going up and i hit this guy disco d and i'm like yo i want to intern for you and right. he's like i don't tell him i live in virginia i'm like he's like or i did i was like i live in virginia but i'm moving to new york i didn't right. i had no idea right. when i was moving right, to new york course. i was still in school i was in my senior year yeah. so i was like 17 maybe 16 17 17 probably um and then i uh he's like come here tomorrow so i'm like all right but really what i want to do is like play in my beats and like do a so like i come there and he's like it was a friday and i was with one of my friends james and he's like it was in brooklyn he goes i'm leaving to go to brazil tomorrow i'll be back on sunday if you can fill my studio the whole time i'm gone he was like and get like two or three sessions and make me money he was like you can keep the studio he's like you can be my intern and i was like what and i was like i don't even know this many people. right so but, you're like a studio manager and he just let me stay yeah. at his house right. like the first time ever meeting me yeah and and i did it i called everyone i knew i called kids from virginia dc like i filled his studio yeah. up and like i got like i got like two or three sessions sure. so like i had like like and like two of them were on sunday like yeah. and i and i made him money and he was like all right you got the job now get the fuck out of here and right. i was like and so like I started coming up every week and you know he was a loony dude he was a very loony dude and started coming up and I'll work for him every week and I was like I'm I was like I have to find a way to move to New York so I like at this point like everyone's applying for colleges and I'm like man I don't want to do this college thing so like I find some like trade school in New York and I'm like I apply to that and like I go there what was it I think it was called Institute of Audio Research. Oh, so but you uh, you were gonna do music somehow, like yeah, even yeah, that yeah. it wasn't like you went to go add TT Tech. <laughs> no, or... no, no, no. It's like uh, it's called like Institute of Audio Research. And it's sure. like an engineering school, like sure. a music and en- it's like full sale. Yeah, but for the East Coast. And I was like, all right, I'm gonna go here. So because I needed like an apartment and stuff. Right. And my mom was like, if you go to school, she was like, I'll pay for one year. Right. And I was like, and I was like, cool. So like, I go. Pretty amazing. Yeah, it's hard. Like it, you know, parental support. Well, she, I'm always so impressed if somebody can make it without parental support. I don't know how they do it, and but I know it happens. But well, that's like that's she was like that's pretty incredible. She was like, I'll pay, I'll pay for, I'll pay for one year. So they recognize at least that you had talent at that point. <laughs> yeah, or yeah. or they recognize that other people recognize you have talent. You know? Yeah, they didn't. They didn't. They were like, what's because they probably aren't plan? listening. They're like, what yeah, are you gonna right. do? I have Jewish parents. I'm the only yeah. person in my entire like bloodline yeah. who didn't go to college. Right. So it's like, so. I think they believed my mom was like, just give it a shot. If you mess up, you can go back to school. Right. And she was like, she was like, just promise me you're going to go to that school, which I didn't. But I, like <laughs> I, I, I did at yeah, the beginning. Right, sure, so sure. 
So basically, I get into the school. I'm like, I'm so jazzed. It's my last day. I'm graduating. I'm about to walk down the thing. It's my last day. My friend goes, yo, I need you to make me a music page for one of my artists for MySpace. And this was like just when the, I didn't know, this is like when you could make your own music page. And I didn't really know how to do it. Like making a music page, like using the player and stuff. And I was like, I was like, dude, I don't know how to do that. He was like, well, if you don't do that and read this book, he gave me this book called like the Tao Te Ching. It's like this, like, 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 like uh, mantras and poems. And he was like, if you don't read this book by tomorrow and make that, he was like, don't even bother coming up. He was like, or I won't hire you. And I was like, fuck. Somehow I figured out how to do it. I moved the next day to New York. I didn't have a place yet because my place didn't start until after the summer. Right. So I'm crashing on his floor and just like the limited people I know, right. like 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 starting to make connects in New York. And I'm like, staying. Uh, my brother was And when li- is this, 2000s? 2000, uh, 2005? 2006, this is. So, and I'm living, and I'm like, my brother lived in New York, kind of, so I'm like living in Hoboken for a little bit, and I'm just like crashing in everyone's couch that will let me sit on a couch. So then I get my place, and it's in Brooklyn, and I'm working with this guy, and and he, (laughs) at the same time, I used to cold call record labels, and I would like, I would pretend like, so say like, say it's like, who's someone on Atlantic? Like Bruno Mars. Let's just say that, that I was doing it right now. Right. I'd be like, hey, I'd be like, this is Bruno Mars' lawyer. And I would like look yeah, who the right, lawyer was. Course. And then like I'd get in, I'd get through to like Craig. Yeah. And I'd be like, and I'd be like, I'd be like, hey, Craig, this isn't really him. I just really need to play you my music. And like they would hang yeah. up. And like that's how I met like a lot of assistants of that became yeah. something big. And yeah. I used to do that, and one of the guys I would call was this guy named Andrew Luffman, yeah. and then um, and then I was doing that, and then at the same time, Andrew was partially managing Disco D and, and stuff, right. and, and Andrew was just in a, he was Craig Kalman's assistant at that sure. point, so it's like so he's Craig Kalman's assistant, then I meet a guy who later becomes my manager that um, I started off by selling drugs for him to uh, to make money because I didn't have any money. In so, 2006-ish? 2006. So like, what kind of drugs? Just pot. Like, yeah. And I was like selling pot and like that's how I started meeting a lot of people in the music business because he would deal with, like tons of people in the music right. business. And like it's not like it's not like he's dealing like coke. Was he and your <laughs> dealer and then you were like, Oh, you should manage me? No. Or you guys, he, would, he, was he in lived music. in the same build he lived in the same building as Disco D. And okay. like he would Disco D was one of his clients. Right. And like a lot of people were his clients. And right. and then he goes he goes to me, he says, he says, What are you doing down there? He's or up there. He's like He's like, I got a few keyboards and stuff. He's like, you want to come down and make music like at my place? Right. Like we start making music and then he's like, somehow, he didn't know what it was either. He's like, should I like be your manager? And he was like a cool guy around Brooklyn. He was like this drug dealer. He threw parties that were great, everything. And this is like when Williamsburg was like not a thing yet. Like it was right. just starting, you know, this was, this is like 11 years ago, 10, 11 years ago. So it's like, it's like just starting to become a thing. And 
I start making music. I'm making a lot of music. And I'm interning. And, like, this is when people, like, weren't even signed yet. So, like, uh, like Santi Gold would come over to Disco D's house and, like, make music and, like, and and she was like trying to get a record deal and all these people right. like tons of people that became yeah. that became Crazy. big big yeah, artists sure. like like and 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 uh tons of people were interning with me that became huge people that are in the music business now like just tons of people yeah. that like I know now that are like yeah. big songwriters big producers yeah. artists yeah. like and uh we're all doing this and I interned one day and I was a studio assistant for uh for um spank rock and and it was like four in the morning i was exhausted they made me stay i had to like run all around the 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 right. night before and like i didn't take cabs i'm like taking right. subways what label like, was he on he wasn't on one at a point uh-huh. at this point he wasn't on a label and he was like <clears throat> this like really cool thing right now and he was working and and I like got them tuna sandwiches and like I go in and I sit down and like I'm just sitting there and he's like he's like hey man he's like you like this beat and I was like yeah man it's fucking awesome and then he's like hey what do you think of this line and he like asked me like a few lines and then like like later and he just kept asking me more and he was like hey what rhymes with this right like so like I helped him out and then like a few times in the studio I had done that like a few different days long story short um Disco D uh, passes away. He uh, he committed suicide. Oh wow! So so this is like my best friend, the guy I'm with every single day. Fucking offs himself. How did he do it? He uh, he hung himself. Was so, it in the apartment? No, no. It was uh, actually at his parents' house. Like wow. he like, went home to. Vegas. How old was he? Twenty seven. Whoa. Twenty seven club. So. So that's why I was like super nervous about this year. Like for me, just because like the whole 27 thing. Sure. Um, so he uh, he passes away and I'm like, man, what the fuck am I doing with my life? I'm at this school. I like, I'm like about to quit. I'm like, right. I'm like I, I can't. I can't make it. No one wants to buy my beats. Like I, every time I go in to play Andrew beats, I'd be like, he'd be like, look, these are good. He's like, but like, these are like fake Timberland beats and these are fake Neptune's beats. He's like in Wool Jam. So he was Luffman then. Yeah, he was like, he was like, well, he was like, why would we get your beats if we yeah. could just get their beats? He said, right. you have to do something that makes you original. Right. And I was learning all this stuff from Disco D. Like, and I was like, I just completely adapted his style. Like, and I was like, I got to do something cool. And this is right when Gnarls Barkley came out. Sure. And I was like, man, I got to do like, a mixtape and then like this other guy put out this mixtape that was like biggie mixed with frank sinatra yeah. do you remember that no uh, but okay i remember like the you know gray album and yeah that's and that this was, was like cool this was like right it, when yeah. all that was coming out and i was like i have to do one of those i was like i gotta find an artist to do it so i called up spank rock every day and i was like yo man we gotta do this and he knew me through disco d and he was like he i was like come on man i was like and we met up one night and we like all me, him, and my manager at the time. We all freestyled like, right. over like this disco D beat. That was, we all freestyled over this Fifty Cent disco D beat um, called Ski Maskway, and we like really bonded. And then like I would see him in the streets of Brooklyn all the time. And then I was like, one day I convinced him, and I was like, I was like, just come over and make one song with me, man, at yeah. my manager's studio. And I was like, I was like, this at this at this point, I was. I was like, I was still in school too. So I was like staying up so late, like going, I was like 
Right. Everything. I wasn't sleeping at all. I was like right. in a crazy state. Yeah. And he was like, just, I was like, just come over. And I'm like, yo, I think we should do a thing where we sample all two live crew. And I was like, and we make like a a, a thing about it. Like, and, and we make an EP and we like just put it out for free and like just, it'll, sure. it'll, it'll, we'll do it so quickly. And so he comes over, he makes one song. The next week we get signed to the same label that signed Gnarls Barkley. It's downtown. Record. Yeah, sure. I remember and, that. And I'm like, I'm like, whoa, I'm, I'm 18 years In old. In Tribeca or wherever that. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm 18 years old at this point. And I'm like, holy shit. I'm like, all right. And now, and now $200 doesn't, for a beat. You're like, I'm yeah. upgrading. Now to, yeah, now $200. Now it's, now it's $2,000. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, and I was like, whoa. I was like, I'm yeah. producing something. I'm getting 2007 or so. This is probably. 2006. Six. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, whoa, this is crazy. Maybe it's 2007. Might be 2006, though. I'm like, holy shit. I'm like, this is insane. So I do that and. I'm just like at this point, like we're the coolest thing sure. in in Lower Manhattan and Brooklyn. We're like, like it's like we walk outside. Are you playing live? Yeah, yeah. We walk outside and people are like, and people are like, oh shit, like that, like, yeah. like it's like. I mean, my face is plastered everywhere right. at this point, and it's like, it's like I'm I'm working with Santi, I'm working with Justice, I'm working with Most Def. I'm work, like it's like everything just yeah. happened overnight. So it just blows up once oh, you have that one song. Yeah, yeah. Or- and- you yeah, know, project or whatever. Yeah, and no, obviously, like the project wasn't big. It probably sold like fifteen thousand copies or something. No, but I but mean, it was like it was very big yeah. in in the downtown scene, sure. and it was like you know it was this very crazy thing. Like, what sh- was Luffman saying at that point? <laughs> Luffman was trying to get Warner Chapel to sign my publishing. I didn't know what that meant, and they right. were like, they were like, I just don't know. Right. They were like, I don't see it. And he was trying to get people to place my beats, but my beats were fucking weird, man. They were right. like. I don't know if you've ever heard like this fangirl stuff, but they're like we like they're like out there, and so at this point coming up is like it's like me, Diplo, A Track, like all of us were in yeah. the same thing, like we were in the same group yeah. of this cool thing, and no one knew what it was really gonna be. It was we were all cool, like no one was like no one, you know, no one was big yet. Yeah. Like it's like it's like DJs who can dabble in hip hop, yeah, and like, but EDM like, yeah, it wasn't like, like a huge thing. Like, yeah. like, 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 at this point, Diplo could probably sell out like, like, six hundred kids sure. or something. Like, and it was like, and that was big. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
yeah. you know. And then, but how do you? I mean, not to go back to the creative side on some level, like how are you creating these beats? Because you're not. This is one of the most the the most shocking things about you is that you hear music really well and you're a really good curator of sounds. Yeah. You know, but how are you creating beats for people when you don't really play an instrument? And at this point, you you know, you're not no creating a mess. Yeah, yeah. And people uh. are not, now. You jump into like I'm creating beats regularly and creating songs regularly. Are you like uh, how do you how do you do that? Where do you start from? It's all samples. It's not samples. It's all. No, it's, I, was I mean, just... you you have more synthesizers than anyone I know you know yeah. how are you but yet you don't play piano it was <laughs> like, it, I don't get it what happens when no one's watching <laughs> it was so basically like if I have to I can completely get the job done right I'm just like I'm not the guy I think being a producer and being a songwriter is a very interesting role and I think a lot of times people try to play the hero all the time and it's like I don't want to be the hero I want to be that player that everyone goes you know he passed the ball really well he took the shots when he needed to he did he 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 rebound if no one was down low like so what I'm saying is if I'm in the studio and fucking John Legend sitting next to me I'm not gonna be like hey John scoot over let me play the piano real quick you know what I'm saying like if I have to, I can get everything done. But I think a, a producer's role yeah. is is to know when to use their strengths and to know how to play to other people's strengths. So it's crazy. I, I don't want to skip yeah, too yeah. far ahead. Yeah, but yeah. on some level, there's you know when you get further in your career and you go sort of the post Doctor Luke. I know we didn't get to mm-hmm. that though. Mm-hmm. You know there aren't a lot of. Um, I feel like our draft class of of writers and producers have lifted up a lot of walls between people. And part of it is because you're the guy who's like, yo, Ryan, Tedder, let's go write together. Hey, Stargate, let's produce this together. Hey, you know, you're not sitting there with... Um, you feel like you, you're okay not being the only guy. Yeah, I could credit, care less. You know? I could care less. But where do you learn that from? I mean, before you're 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 at downtown, you get this record deal. You're starting to write beats for all these people, and then the next thing you know, on some level, you end up real like kind of like getting. I guess getting your deal with downtown is getting drafted. Then all of a sudden, you start playing in the All Star game when you know with everything. Dr. Yeah, and so it, that happens, and then you somehow feel comfortable enough to go off and collaborate. But I, I don't know. What, let's go back. Where did you learn to collaborate enough to be like, hey, I'm going to go in with Dr. Luke it, and I'm going to go in we with were, these other people? When we were making music, like the one thing I will tell you, that manager I had at the time that was like a... The drug dealer. Yeah. He was, we, can get, we can give him a name. We'll call him yeah, Sam. Yeah. No, we already have Sam. Yeah. We'll call him <laughs> Boris. He, he, <laughs> Boris. He, he was so 
good at you know he knew all the crazy downtown musicians so he'd be like he'd be like yo today you should make a beat with this violinist i met so i would do it and like and like people weren't doing stuff like that that i knew and he'd be like yo there's a trum there's like a guy who plays like trombone and here's a guy who plays saxophone pull them in here's the guitarist and i was learning how to do that and he was like yo here's the guitarist from you know chick 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 or here's the guitarist from you know the death set or like and all this weird stuff and i would make music with all these weird downtown guys and it was like i was just doing man i didn't know anything that's i think that was my my biggest strength was not knowing i didn't know i didn't know what was cool i didn't know what wasn't cool i didn't know like that you were supposed to write a song like this or you were i didn't i knew nothing about structure at this point or anything i didn't like sometimes my songs were a minute long sometimes they were five minutes long um and I just collaborated, and I always did. I because I made music myself for so many years, right? And I never worked with anyone. And did that did that ever scare you that you didn't really know what you were doing? Were you? Uh, did you ever have any like? Uh, did you ever have any fear? No, one time, just the time when I when after Disco D died, and I was like, "What the fuck am I doing with my life?" That's the only time right. I, I looked both ways and yeah. tried to look back. That's the only time I tried to look. I looked back and looked around me and did did it like that. I mean, I can imagine that being pretty frightening when you're sort of mentor. Yeah. For me, it's like, but for me, it's like this, man. It's like, I, music is supposed to be collaborative. Okay, say you're alone. Okay, you're at home. You make a beat. You make a song. Sure. What's the first thing you do after you make it, if you think it's good? Send it to somebody. Or call up your friend and play it for them over the phone, and then they yeah. can't hear it over the phone, and they're like, what was that? And then, like, you kind of get down a little bit. And, oh. like, like, There's nothing more vulnerable. It's still, it, it's, I don't know if you're like, the, yeah, you are. If I play an idea for you that is, that I, I've worked on at home and, I, I'll still get nervous and be like, I, you know what, guys? This, I wrote it from home. It's we, got, we can all change it. We can change everything. <laughs> if you don't like it, it's cool. And you yeah. still have to start it with Everyone like starts- this disclaimer of this is shit. This yeah. song's terrible. Yeah. So don't hate me for it and don't judge my career yeah. on it. Before before, <laughs> before I like play anyone, I think I'm like, oh, no, no, no but this is like totally a demo. Like, don't yeah. worry. Like, the vocals are scratching. We hate the song. We're probably going to change everything. Right. And But like, that's what you do anytime anyone yeah. plays someone a song. Like, right. I've never heard someone like in a session just be like this shit is fucking incredible yeah like right. no i'm right. not i'm like no. well you know it's just like a demo and like we didn't have the right synth sound in yeah. but we're putting it in really soon and like don't worry right. about it and then they're like this is really good and you're like yeah yeah that, yeah, yeah yeah but it's but it's not right yet yeah, yeah, yeah. um even at the end yeah, even you, when they're like it's a smash like, well not yet yeah, because yeah yeah because yeah. you don't want them to like pull the veil up <laughs> yeah, and realize that yeah. you're still that kid who's yeah. a thespian in high yeah, school <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, exactly you know? no but it's still yeah it's still but anyway so then so uh you go in you meet with uh you meet uh, eventually with luke because because uh boris is sending you to collaborate with random I, people and he's in new york I playing met, on snl and shit i met with luke i was getting a lot of attention in new york right 2007 um there was a shitload of people randomly just trying to sign me and like publish me like sure. one of the first guys to really step out was um I don't know if you know Rich Christina. Yeah. 
He was like one of the first guys to really step out. And he was actually the one who told me to sign with Luke. He was like, don't sign with me, man. He was like, I, he was like that guy can teach you a lot more than I can. Yeah. Because like everyone knew I had like this raw talent, but right. I didn't know what to do. I didn't listen to pop music. I didn't know. And at this point, Luke had already become Luke the producer, not Luke on SNL and stuff. Luke was Luke, was Luke the producer at this point. But what he was was um, he had... It was like all like pop rock, right. so he had like since you've been gone. It's since yeah. you've been gone. And Avril at, stuff. At, uh, not yet. It was like since you've been gone. Behind these hazel eyes, uh, the pink stuff. And I think he was like just doing Avril then, and like he was just playing me like his first beats that were like pop, like 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 the pre to Britney. Yeah, like like he was like getting in with Britney and stuff, and he was working with Max a lot. And I didn't even know who he was when right. I met him. I knew nothing about pop music. And like, I first played him my thing, and I was like, I was like, this girl introduced me to him. Her name's Marav. She's not really, yeah. she's not so much in the music business anymore. But she used to work. No, but she's Israeli. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she used to work for this place called Songs yeah, Publishing, sure. and they were trying yeah. to sign me. And she was like, look, she was like, I know. The deal's not right, and they're too competitive, and we can't sign you because songs was wasn't big yeah. yet. She was like, I know this was, you know, this was yeah. ten years ago. Yeah. So she was like, she was like, I know the deals are uh, are a little uh, too competitive and stuff. She was like, but you should meet this guy. His name's Luke, and I was like, cool. And like, I go, I go, and I meet him. I'm in another session, but I like break, and I go and I meet him, and I play him my songs, and I only had like, I only had like three beats. Yeah. Like, so I would like play one at the beginning of the meeting, one at the end, and then I'd like send them one after. Right. And if they ever asked me for anything else, like, right. I'd never answer again. So, <laughs> so, right. uh, so I played, I played the songs, and like, I'm at, I'm like, you know, he's like giving his whole spiel, and I'm like, and the meeting's about to end, and he's like, hey, burn me a CD. So I burn him a CD. I'm like, here. And he goes, nah, I don't need it. And I was like, I thought you just told me to burn your CD. He's like, nah, I don't need it, man. So I'm like, all right. So I sit there and I leave the meeting and I'm like, man, I'm like, what's, I'm like, what's going on? I'm like, the guy didn't like me. Like I go to my next meeting. I'm like, I'm like, man, this guy doesn't even like, this guy doesn't even care. And so then I go and I, um, I get a phone call and it's Luke. And he's like, Hey, he's like, do you want to come make music with me? And I was like, uh, sure. what? Yeah. I was like, I was like, I was like, I thought you didn't like my yeah. stuff. And he's like, nah, man. He's like, I liked your stuff so much that I knew I didn't have to hear it again. And I was like, all right. So I go and I like make music with them. And the first day we, we, we spent all night making music. Yeah. It was horrible. It was so really? bad. I remember it. I thought you were going to be like, and then I kissed a girl. No. I, you know, it it's was, like something like that. No, no it, it was, was like so bad. Yeah, it was right. so bad. And then we made music all day the next day yeah. and all day the next day. And I remember at this point I was living in like, because after I got my deal, remember my mom only was going to pay one for, year. for one year. Right. So so I was, uh, I didn't have a house. I was right. homeless. So I, and, and I, I had money from my record deal but for some reason like i didn't we were like you know we were touring a little we were doing this we were doing that and like i was just all over the place so i was just bouncing from house to house and i was staying with someone in a really bad part of brooklyn um right so it's like every night like i'm coming home at like five in the morning i'm like i kept kept telling luke i was like yo i can't do this anymore like i can't i got it i 
I, I, uh, I'm sorry. I can't, I can't do this. We have to work more normal hours. Mm. And then he's like, and then he like didn't call me for two days. Right. I was like, what? And then all of a sudden, I get a, uh, I get a phone call, and he's like, yo, he's like, do you want to come out to L.A. with me? Right. And I was like, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> and I was like, um, and I was like, uh, I was like, sure. Yeah. I was like, I was like, I'll do it. And like, I came out. We, and he like asked me if I wanted to do a publishing deal. And like, I had all these publishing deals, but I didn't even know what a publishing deal was. Right. Like, I I had never had like pub, like none of my songs ever yeah. like made money. Like, I didn't know what it was. Of course. And and I almost didn't sign to him. And like last minute, I was just like, I remember I was writing like yeah. these. I had like a family lawyer as right. a lawyer, like, and and I was yeah, right. just like, and and like there somebody were like, who does like taxes yeah, is now. Yeah, doing and it was like, like some, and there was like a thing. It was like sure. if you get a number one, song, there was like something in the contract, like something. And he, I, he was like, oh well, that's never gonna happen. So like, don't worry about. Oh, it. Right. Like like there was like things like like that. Oh, he was like no. he was like oh don't worry about that. Oh, and I was no. like because we didn't know like I didn't know right. like and I was like. Like, already, like, I had already, like, I, I had never, you know, I had never really had a job. Like, that was my first job. Like, I'm 17, 18 years old. So, like, I'm like, whoa. I'm like, dude, I, like, I never have to work again. And I have, like, no money. Like, right. And um, it all just happened so fast after that. I was like, I just opened my eyes. And, and, sure. and, and then it's, you know. 2010 at this point and I'm right. like whoa how did I just have and you just had fucking like six number ones yeah, right. in one year how did last year I had this you know I remember calling and my parents still it what it, happened in Spain like here you're having these <laughs> massive hits and it's, it's like Spank Rock at the time is Spank Rock at this time being like uh, what happened to our band or are you like or, no, you know, at, or are you at this point at this point he you know he was going through some stuff like himself yeah. and and it was a it was a big time like yeah. you know like he like he kind of slowed down a little bit uh sure. after that and it was just it kind of happened at the same time he like and you're just you just keep your head down when you're writing with anybody but when you're writing with luke especially the people i know that that spend most time with them it's sort of like you just go into kind of a cave of writing and then afterwards it's like all these songs have come out, but like it seems like nobody's not. not. There was no one. It was me. I was yeah. the only person signed to. Luke. Oh right, yeah. And he was he was at the same time when I was working with them. He he hadn't signed Katie yet. He was about to sign Katie. Right. Um. When when I was working with them, there was no one else. And he was like, and Katie was nothing. Like we had just right. started work. He was like, you want to work with this girl? And like the first time I met Katie, she was like, she was like, yo, she, cause we still had like a few spank rock things going yeah. on. She was like, can you get me into your show um, in LA? Like yeah. I remember like, she was like, she, it was like the first time I met Skeet too. Right. And she was like, can you get me into like this show in the LA, in LA? Like there was for like 400 people and she couldn't get in. Like, and and she, we, the first song we wrote was so bad. Me and her wrote a song together and it was so horrible. It was called like, my body is the bomb or something. Yeah, right. And it was like, my body is the bomb. And it was like, and it had like a, <laughs> it had like an explosion sound in it. And it was like, it was fucking awful. Yeah. Um, and, um, like I have a feeling like Luke was like, why the fuck did I sign this dude? Right. Like, sure. Um, and I feel like the first I started like kind of writing like like Vanessa Hudgens and stuff. And right, like, of course. And then the first thing I really 
wrote like and I was like whoa I was like wow this could really be something cool is I did circus with Claude Kelly yeah and I was like I was like whoa and that was like my first big song and at the same time I did that I worked with this band called 303 yeah sure and they had like no money they couldn't even fly me out I had to like bring my own gear on a train and we recorded it and then like those two songs go number one yeah and I'm just like whoa Right. I'm like, this is crazy. So, and like, my parents still don't get it. Like, they're like, okay. at that point, yeah, they're like, well, what's gonna be like your backup goal? They're right. like, what? They're like, what's gonna happen? Like, you when know, you don't have number one, when ones. you don't, and right. I'm like, because you know, right. you had not gotten a check for it, so right. it's like I'm still living off the money. Right, and they're I got. thinking that this is some somebody's taking advantage of you and all that. They other don't shit. even know. They don't understand how yeah. it works. They don't even know. They're like, like, okay, but like. But, like, what are you going to do? I'm like, but I'm in the studio with Britney Spears. I remember, like, I told yeah. my dad. And he was like, yeah, okay. Babe. Yeah. And I'm like, no, no, I'm serious. Yeah. And then, like, the rest is just kind of a blur, man. Yeah. I mean, when you go off on your own and you're like, hey, I'm going to go and start working with Maroon 5 or, you know, I guess it's sort of on your own. I mean, is there a point there where you're like, <laughs> I'm going to do this? Or Did you purposely go off on your own? Or are you like, oh, I'm going to just write this song with now my friend's from I, home or Shellback or like, how do you go and just say, okay, I well, would, here's. I was always making records. I guess 303 is not with, you know, that's on your <laughs> I own. I was always making records yeah. on my own with Luke. It's just that once, you know, me and Luke locked in, it's like we went in that cave. Right. Yeah. We fucking locked in and we just wrote like, and it was just, he didn't have a lot of writers. So it was just like me and him just like every yeah, day, yeah. like cranking everything sure. out. And then um, I, uh, I think, uh, but like moves like Jagger and Stereoheart sort of begins your own publishing yeah, company and your that, own thing, you know? Yeah. I think what happened was I was just, I don't know. I just, I started, I was just will, willing to take a lot more risks yeah. than like I think a lot of people in the music industry were. Like, dude. Well, it doesn't, it wasn't that kind of scary to be like, all right, now I'm, or, or at this point, you kinda, you've already had seven think, number one songs. Yeah, so and I don't not, think like, about it like that. Yeah. And, I think it was I think it was the time when everyone was just like they were like okay well like you know this isn't Benny doing this you know this is like Dr. Luke obviously right. like obviously like Benny doesn't know how to do all this stuff like it's all Luke right. and like and like w- which is obvious for them to think I mean everything he touched at that point was like fucking yeah. gold right. and and I think at that point that year for me people were like oh they were like I get it like yeah. when that happened and for me uh, I remember Max was with sure. me in the studio, uh, Max Martin, and I play him Stereo Hearts, and he's like, and he just looks at me, and he's like, oh, wow. He's like, you can do this. That's what he yeah. said to me. He just looked at me, and uh. he goes, and he just goes, and like Max is like, he's like very reserved, and he just goes, he goes this song's going to be really big. Yeah. And then he just walks out of there. But like when he said yeah. that to me, I was like, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, right. Like I was like crying a little bit. In my it's sleep. really hard to define yourself in this business when you come up from under someone else, and yet if you don't, it's really hard to get in. So yeah. I think I think you know I'm, I imagine that for Max it was that oh he it's Dennis Pop yeah and course. not Max and you know I'm sure that for any of us who've had cuts with other people it's like of it's course. hard you have to just keep writing so you have enough records out there that people are like, oh yeah maybe he is an X factor yeah and he's not like just a guy who's just always coincidentally you know yeah there in the room and 
And sometimes you are that guy. I don't know. Yeah, maybe yeah, I, sure, sure. Maybe no I doubt. am that guy. I'm the coincidental guy. <laughs> over and over. Um, yeah, yeah, just just, just a bunch lottery of times. tickets. But yeah, no, it was just like, and like with Maroon Five, man. I remember I was like, yo, we should put someone like on this record. You know, one of my friends came up with the idea, and I was like, oh, whiz, uh, yo, no, I was like, we should put Adam Levine on Stereo Hearts, and everyone oh, was like, right. they're like not putting him on stereo that guy's washed up they're like we can't put him on a record right now they're like they're like knowing and then like and then like we just did it and then when we did the song he was like hey his manager was like we want to put out a single he's like adam's gonna be on this new show it's gonna kind of be like american idol and everyone was like everyone was like yeah never work they're like okay like american idol is the american idol and then fast forward it's like the biggest show ever yeah it's out of control um yeah i mean now you have also you have uh you have a record label that's obviously doing well i can imagine that watching people like tory lanes and you know rin and rixton and all of it that there's sort of a fatherly role even though you're younger than most people i imagine that you're sort of now now enough people look up to you as you know the the guy who leads the way it's kind of interesting i mean you're the youngest guy who has uh, who has so many people that rely on like your advice, you know, musically and record-wise. I just can imagine that all these artists that you have are so different, and they all depend on you. Is that like is that is there pressure in that? Or are you just having a blast with it? Or is it more exciting to watch Tory Lanes succeed than yourself? Or I mean, this is seems like a new chapter for you to really have Mad Love be kind of the the new focus for you or is it not really the new focus for you now i'm nervous i never thought about it till just now yeah right exactly. uh uh, you know there's something about from the first time that from my very first signing amar that first moment when that person has their first big record it's like and even like for you man like when with the lady a stuff like what for me like those mean so much more to me because it's like I'm not going to say you get like numb to it. It's like, it's like every time any one of my songs is on the radio sure. or it comes out, it's it goes so everyone, cool. I'm like, Oh my yeah. God. Like yeah. anytime I hear like one of my songs, I'm like, I'm like, Oh, like I've never heard it before. Right. Like, you know, it's like the most exciting rush in the world. Sure. And I, but there's just something about. Yeah. It's like having a kid. There's you know, something it's like about reseeing all the, the like, joy. of Yeah. Just that. being able to do it. That is so much mm-hmm. more rewarding to me yeah. than, than doing it myself. Like, like seeing, seeing someone like seeing someone else. Cause it's like our dream already came true. Yeah. It's like seeing someone else's right. dream come true and getting to be a part of that and be like, holy yeah. shit. Like I just did for you what this person did for sure. me. And it's like, and it's like, you never forget that shit. Yeah. And it's like part of, I don't know. It's it, yeah. It's the greatest feeling in the world. Is it really hard? Yes, but luckily I have incredible people, sure. and I get to work with incredible artists. All my artists are so fucking and I writers mean, are to talented. spend the amount of time you are with One Republic and Ed Sheeran for their next albums that are coming out. Let alone all the other stuff. I know that we both know that's going on. Yeah. It's like. It's just crazy. You're part of the pantheon of pop music. You know, I mean, that's a crazy thing. Just to be, just to get to play in it is so fun. Yeah, and- it's like I all the time. Like I was talking to my mom the other day, and I was just like, 
mom, I was like, this is so fucking weird. I was like, this is my job. Cause I was like complaining yeah. about something to right. my mom. I was like, I was like, I was like, I'm so tired. I was right. like, I just worked with like Ed Sheeran for a week and now I have to go like work with the weekend next right, week. Yeah. Like, and I'm like, and then I like, I like snapped out of it. I'm like, sure. I was like, mom, I was like, what the fuck am I talking about? Like, this is my yeah. job. I'm like, I'm eating food, sitting outside during a work day, talk, complaining to you sure. about how I got to work with like all these yeah. incredible people. I'm like, what the fuck am I talking about? Sure. So it's like, there's definitely those pinch me moments like constantly. Yeah, yeah I imagine. Um, I mean, I think, you know, one of the things that, that I'm, one of the first impressions I had of you was going to your place in New York and you had art and uh, good furniture and a good view. And there's all this, there's quality taste in how you live your life. And I think one of the most impressive things is that there, were, there wasn't one platinum record in your house that I could find. But there was one like fake platinum record from the children's hospital thanking <laughs> you for spending time. Yeah. And to me, like that, that said, you know, there's that expression of money doesn't buy class. Yeah. And I think it's cool to see someone leading the way for our generation of writers to showing that, that the concept of bullies that, um, that exists throughout society where, where there's been this anti-bullying campaign and it works in music too. It's like bullies aren't doing very well in the music business either. Yeah. And you, you see it all over the place and the bullies are losing and the people who are nice and communal and loving and, and are supportive of each other, they're the ones that are leading the way. And it's so, uh, I, I got to say that uh, obviously I have a lot to thank for you, you know, because you've been involved in a big portion of my professional writing career. But for a lot of people, I think you've had a, a, a positive influence. So I feel like thank you. Thank you. I feel like it's just all about it's all about karma and the way you treat people. And if you, if you treat people well, it's going to make you feel good because you're treating someone well. It's going to make them feel good. And it's like no matter who you are, man. Life's about ups and downs, and you're going to have a lot of ups and you're going to have a lot of downs. And when you're down, if you treat people right, everyone's going to give you that second chance. And sure. it's like I've definitely had times where, like, I wasn't I wasn't doing so high, and people gave me a shot to be in the room. And, like, uh, and I feel like I'm just super blessed. Like, I feel like I am that guy who's just randomly in the right place at the right time. I feel like I, everyone's talent around me is so far superior to mine. (laughs) They say that a lot about people who are successful, that they want to, um, that that's the one thing is that they hope that nobody realizes that they're, they, no one wants them to notice their faults. Like no one wants to have people realize that, yeah, like I'm a really average guitarist and I'm a really shitty piano player. <laughs> yeah. And I, I I sing like a white guy and no matter what I do and yet it's like how I <laughs> manipulate my voice or record certain things. Like I don't want people to really realize my, how bad I am at, I, at no, a lot of things. But it's for real. You're like, you're like hold, I'm just waiting for the day like someone's like, ah. Uh, all right, Benny, like, you know, we've yeah. been, like, messing we figured with you it this out. whole time. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Uh, yeah. E- time yeah. to get a regular job. Yeah. Could, could you please get the fuck out yeah. of the studio right yeah. now immediately? Yeah. 
Either that or it's the Truman Show. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that that's what's going on right now is that this has been a joke of a yeah. of a career because there's no way when you think that a couple hundred million people are listening to your song weekly or whatever it is. It's just a statistically impossible thing to grasp. Yeah, no, it's really weird. Like when like the song is like the like number one. Like Love Yourself is just like, come on, man. That <laughs> song, at some point I was going to come over here and just strangle you because it's like I ha- I can't. You'd go one station and be on that. The next one would be on that. You're like, oh, then I'll go to the urban or rhythmic station. And it's on that and you're like, fuck you. And it's probably on the country station too. Dude, I don't have a radio, so I've, I've, um, I've actually never heard that one on the radio. Oh, my God. Dude, I've just ne- turn it on for five minutes. I've never. It's not even. It's not even like. Oh, I heard it once. Yeah, I heard it one time in an Uber. But like, yeah, I don't. Um, I don't have a car or anything, so I don't. Sure. I don't really. Well, <laughs> I don't really know where I'd hear it. I don't even have Spotify. Well, I like your rug. Thanks. We put it in special today for you. Thanks. Tied the room. You're a good man. Thank you for being part of this podcast. Thanks. I just got shut off. It was like we were in the middle of something and there was all these other questions left. No, I know. Ross, Ross just just like scrolling through him and then he just shut the thing and he's like, Well, it's just I, like, I don't know where, you know, I, I'm not like, sure. I don't know exactly where like, we could go from here. He's like, You don't so do much, anything. There's so much. I want to ask. There's so many questions about all these people and all these. You've written with the best. And I remember seeing, you know, seeing. You gave you got an award from the Songwriter Hall of Fame already as a as a you know and you're at the time you're probably 25 26 when you're so, getting an award that I mean who's you know that you have to be in the industry for I think more than 20 years to be eligible yeah. to be inducted yeah. Yeah. and they're doing like the you know you get that rising star what is it, what something like that what's it called the one I got yeah Hal David that yeah so that it's you know it's it's just incredible. There's so many questions and there's so many things about, you know, uh, your opinion on where music is today and, 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 you know, you're part of Global, which is a new PRO, and you're part of these this relationship with the best writers and artists in the world. I mean, I, I feel like I could talk to you for six hours about this. Want to sleep over? Yeah, we should just do a sleepover. We don't even need to do the cameras. You can just, like, ask me the questions in bed. But I do. Look, this is... All right, so the real reason why we started doing this podcast, you know, part of it was because... Because you wanted to learn? Because Yeah, a little bit. And because and you have... You know how... This is how every session starts anyway. Yeah. You just sit there and you talk about shit and somebody tells you about your life. And, and it's like, man, if people saw that, they'd be interested Instead, you know, they show some sort of behind the music and it'll be people sitting at a mixing board. Yeah, Nobody sat boards. at your fucking mixing board in, in 40 years. <laughs> I don't even know how you to know? use a mixing yeah. board. You know what I mean? was thinking about getting one that just doesn't work and putting it in my studio sure. so it looks professional. Like behind the music behind the music stuff is like, is such a joke because people think that that's how music is made or yeah. recorded. I still do. I'm like, why don't I have a mixing board? <laughs> yeah. I th- and every studio you go to, they have it. And how many times have you seen anyone use it the best the best is this is what happens every time you go to studio i'm like hey uh can we get like an aux cord to play music in and they look at you like you have eight heads yeah no and it's like no one's ever asked them that sure. question before ever and they can never get they have a board with 700 channels on it but yeah. you want to play one ipod yeah. and they can never get it to work. Yeah. they're like uh hold on it'll just take a second we're just gonna have to rewire and uh, build a new mixing board sure. for this i don't have um i don't have a cd player you know, Neither and people I. people hand me 
not very often, but people hand me CDs. I go and buy my any CD that I have that's out. I go buy it just because I still like the process of opening yeah. it up and yeah. seeing my name. Yeah, you know. So I still do <laughs> Wait, that, but really I don't even do have a that. CD player. Wait, do you open them up and look at your name? Yeah. No, Every time? Don't. Yeah, because that was the goal. What was the fucking goal? My goal initially was to get a record deal. And I got a record deal. And I was like, I just want to be able to buy it in a store. <laughs> and I was fortunate enough to get an album in Virgin Megastore before those all closed. Yeah. And to go into a music store and find it. That shit is so dope. <laughs> I had I had all these little ones. Like I was like, man, if I could just get a mixtape cut with Cameron. And then I was like, man, if I could like just be on one Dipset album. Sure. And then I was like, man, if I could, I remember, I was like, if I could have one, I remember thinking about it. I was like, if I could be on one gold album. And I was yeah, like, right. I didn't even think about singles. Yeah. I didn't even know. Sure. Like, of course I, not. I didn't even get it. I was yeah. like, how do they pick the song that, like, I didn't know that someone yeah. picked the songs. I thought yeah. they just like put out the album and then like everyone liked yeah. one song. <laughs> I think it's funny because is that how you thought? I still too? I still think it is. Uh. I, I still hope it is on yeah. occasion. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, there's no doubt that that people would be appalled if they realize how songs get picked for singles. Yeah, it's like that some old time, white dudes half, in a yeah. room, and they're like, "Well, statistically, w- white females that are eighteen oh to twenty four you're like giving the word way oh. more credit. <laughs> you're giving way more credit. Those those people are still in a room a lot of times they're like I like this one or I like these people or I like this like situation or I think this is cool coming off of this song, but it's still one guy's opinion in a room or yeah, one three dude's guys. just like, "You know what? I don't like that person who wrote that song. And that's We're not going to use this song." Dude, I mean, that goes back to the karma thing. You bully enough people, and eventually people don't want your fucking songs. Yeah. And All right, now I, nice. now I ran out of things to say. Let's end. Yeah, the end. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of And The Writer Is. If you want to hear music from this songwriter I just interviewed, be sure to check out our Spotify playlist or visit our website at andthewriteris.com. If you like what we're doing, please subscribe to us on iTunes. You can also like us on Facebook and Twitter. And the Writer Is is produced by Joe London, edited by Miles Bergsma, and published by Big Deal Music. A special thanks to Jeff Sparger, David Silverstein from Mega House Music, and Michael White. Until next time, this is Ross Golan. 